Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. everybody and welcome back to the Lookout Landing podcast. I am your host Matthew Robertson and I am like many of you just trying to make sense of the world one day at a time. But today I am joined by a very special guest and I know we say that about all of our guests but today's is extra special. It's a man whose voice I'm sure all of you are familiar with. He's been a staple in your living room, your car, wherever you watch or listen to the Mariners. It is Mariners play-by-play man Dave Sims. Dave, how you living, man? I'm doing well, doing well. Just got off the exercise bike, working out, staying in shape. That's one of the uh, one of the things that's you know come out of this whole pandemic lockdown in New York City. I've got a lot of exercise in. That's great. Yeah, I was going to ask what life away from the booth looks like. Are you kind of a, a restless person where you've got to stay busy, stay active all the time, or have you been kind of chilling out? No, it's been a little bit of both. I mean, when it's time to go, you know, I consider, you know, doing the exercise routine, going to work, and the rest of the time is chilling, you know, hanging with my wife and my son and FaceTime with the grandkids and all that stuff. So, and right now our weather here in New York City is absolutely spectacular, so uh, we're at phase one of opening in a city that started on Monday and you know even when I do go out I've got the mask and everything on so um, uh, tomorrow's going to be a great day and weather wise so we're going to walk in Central Park again so I'll probably kick it up a notch and I think last time I did eight miles walking around probably see if I can do 10 tomorrow well there you go this doesn't sound too bad I mean I'm sure that you know we all are, would love to have baseball back as soon as possible but when Lives are at stake. You know, walk around Central Park every day is not a bad trade-off for not, not, not being, being on the, on the road. road. You bet. <laughs> so, uh, Dave, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I have some questions here for you about 
baseball in general, but also, I mean, we cannot, I don't think, comfortably do this show without addressing sort of the revolution that's happening in front of us. Um, I know I want to talk a little bit how this intersects with baseball, because that's sort of what our show is about. So for me personally, I mean, as a as a black kid growing up in the Pacific Northwest, you know, I love baseball. I love the Mariners. I worshiped Dave Niehaus, all that. But now we fast forward to 2020 and we have less black players than in a generation or so. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, representation around the league. I think something I've heard you talk about on the broadcast before is the lack of black people, people of color at large, working in the broadcast booth, particularly as play-by-play guys. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just you and Victor Rojas who does Angels games, right? The only minority play-by-play guys? It's the only uh, uh, Hispanic doing live English, you know, uh, lead TV announcer on an English outlet. Robert Ford's the only other African-American uh, lead a broadcaster as a radio guy with the Houston Astros, and I'm the only African-American on TV. I, I, I think it goes, be, before we even get to the broadcast booth and all that, the problem is the expense of baseball at the youth level anymore. I mean, I played all through, all the way through, what, high school and a year or two in college, and, and I played American Legion ball at high level, started, it was a four-year starter in baseball in high school, captain a couple times MVP, uh, played summer league ball in Philadelphia uh, rec department, and I loved it. I grew up with it. I was lucky. Mother, father, baseball is the ultimate father-son hand-me-down sport. Plus, back in the 50s and 60s, baseball was king. Not the case now. As my sons tell me, they, they like baseball. They played it. They were good at it. The only reason they follow it now is because I'm in it. Baseball has lost its cool, coolness factor in, in black community uh, for the large part. And like a lower income and maybe lower middle income, it's 15, 16 K kid could be upwards of that to play summer travel ball. And that's where the elite players come from. That's where the college colleges recruit them. That's where the scouts bird dog. So that's a problem. And then you got, you know, mass and not mass, but significant incarceration of black males. Hence, you don't have the father hand me down situation. Uh, you know, it's not, you're not, you're not getting a whole bunch of fathers and sons. Hey, dad, let's, let's play catch. You know, no field of dreams moments or very few of them. That's a problem. Yeah, no doubt. And I think you hit on, I mean, a lot of interesting points there. The, the pricing obviously is the one that comes up all the time. Baseball, especially travel baseball, all those showcase circuits are pricing out a lot of lower income kids, which is a lot of black kids. But I think the personality of baseball itself and MLB, like it kind of, you mentioned that it loses its cool factor because I think they're suppressing a lot of the, the individuality, a lot of the sort of flair that you see when you watch the World Baseball Classic, where people in other countries are using baseball as a way to express themselves, whereas you do that here, you get a fastball to the ribs. So what do you think needs to change in that respect? I mean, obviously, there's you can't write a rule that says if you bat flip, no one can throw a pitch at your head. But in, ter- in terms of actually changing the culture, what, are, what do you think needs to be done to create And guys got to open up their minds, just like we're trying to get rid of uh, implicit racism and that kind of stuff. You know, cats that come from either inner city or the guys that come from from the Latin American country. If Soto wants to flip his bat, so be it. Now, you know, if the tower gets buzzed, it's part of it. But that has been pretty much legislated out of the game. That's just the way it is. The Koreans, they they adore the fact that they encourage bat flips, okay? Nobody's getting hurt. You gave up a home run. You gave up a home run. What do you want? I mean, you know, nobody went in their house and... uh, you know, went to your garage and slap your, t- you know, slash your tires or slap your wife or something like that. He flipped the bat. Big freaking deal. Make a better pitch next time. All right. Um, they have to be more accepting of that. And I think maybe as we get a little bit older and the generations start to, you know, get a get a, you know, revolving door goes around and the next generation comes in, you might see a little bit more tolerance of that. But you know, getting upset because you know, who was it? Not Brian McCann getting upset at, um, oh, who was that? He had that famous beef with somebody. Was it a Fernandez, Fernandez with the Marlins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. There was. There've been a multiple ones. Pick one. You know, just get over it. It's not 1935 anymore. Right. I mean, I think the the silly part of it all is that you know people will immediately turn to the oh they're disrespecting the game where the game is a non entity like the person who hit the home run is a human being a person who deserves your respect more than the institution of baseball like this abstract thing doesn't need your respect the way that a man standing two feet away from you does like if he hits a home run like you said you should that's a respectful move you know he took your picture deep give him a give him his credit you don't need to get mad about it it's because he showed some 
some happiness. There's no other profession where if you do well and you show happiness about it that people get Correct. upset exactly. the way that baseball, baseball seems to. And I don't understand it as someone who comes from a generation that kind of encourages you to, you know, go about your business in a way that makes you happy. You see it in basketball and the NFL, like you can celebrate. The NFL took a while to come around on it, obviously, but the celebration is what draws the kids in and makes people well, relate to it. You don't you want don't to see want robots, robots out there. The, uh, it goes against the whole Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy thing. All right, you know, <laughs> run. Hey, you know, you're going to, you'll get your turn in bed. Well, at least in a national league, you get your turn in bed. I, I, I just, it's, uh, it makes me crazy and uh, get over yourself, you know, get over yourself. And and, and just just play on it. And I think as, again, as this generation gets a little bit older, and another group starts to come in, hopefully we'll get away from that. Now I'm not looking for a clown circus either. Don't get me wrong. The flip side of that, but you know, bad flip. Come on, a guy's joyous uh, it, after a big play. You know, that's it. Yeah, I hear you. What do you think about? I mean, in terms of the country at large, are you encouraged about what's happening and people sort of joining the movement? And it seems like people kind of opening their eyes to the injustices that black and brown people have known about forever, obviously. But now that it's coming to the light, do you think that that's going to create any sort of impactful change that we're all hoping for? Or, you know, what is the key to actually making sure that something comes out of it? You've asked about 15 questions there. Uh, dialogue. Uh, do I hope it's, uh, this is a turnaround? Well, you know, black people have been shouting this for 400 years. If this is the turning point, so be it. Uh, the reacts has been tremendous, not only in this country, but around the world. It, it's really, it's, it's gratifying when you see the demonstrations in world capitals. And it's also gratifying to read the headlines that, that I was reading this morning about municipalities rethinking how they budget police, how they can maybe transfer some things to mental health services to take that out of the hands of the police to, um, implicit racism, how to, and systemic racism, and, and how that goes uh, with regard to training uh, police officers, that whatever modus operandi they're using there, it's got to be changed um, and amended. So I, I, I've heard from a, a lot of uh, white friends who, I had one today, I, he said, I haven't said much, but I've been educating myself, and it's good to have friends like you uh, that has you know have shown me the way over the years, but now I really get it, and it's it's almost been it's been a moment of white guilt in some regards, and also when you and when I'm on social media and I see things where people white people are like, "Hey man, if you're a racist, you need to move on from here because I'm telling you we got to start anew," and it's been a good so far so good it's been a good dialogue. Yeah, so when you're traveling around the league, seeing all these ballparks, meeting people from, you know, other broadcast booths, other teams, is it daunting to realize that you're the only black man currently doing this job? Or like a lot of conversations you're having where you're the only one who looks like you, you're in a lot of rooms where you're the only person who looks like that. I mean, I know that this is something that you've been living with forever. Every black person knows the feeling of, you know, that othering. I do my job. I do it well. I respect the guys. I have friendships with damn near everybody who's a who's in the major leagues, especially the guys we see in our division. We, you know, we hang out, you know, at the cage and in the dining room. In every facet, darn near every facet of my life. When I was in grade school, we were, I think there was 12 black kids uh, in our, in my uh, class when I was going to Catholic school. I went to a prep school. I was the only kid, the only black guy uh, playing, playing varsity sports. I had graduated in a class of what, 35, 36. It was two, one, two, it was two black guys. Uh, in my professional career, I've always been uh, the first or the only or one of two, maybe three black guys at any of the media outlets I've been in. You know, it, it is what it is. I, it's not something I, I sit and worry about. It, it's nice when I see other young uh, aspiring black media members. It's a thrill for me when I go to both clubhouses before every game, especially, you know, and obviously I know our guys, but when I go to the other clubhouse and I try to talk to everybody, but I'm particularly glad to see black players. I, I, I'll never forget. Um, I, first time I met Edwin Jackson, it's about, he's been with what, 13, 14 teams. So this might be five, six teams ago. And I went over, Hey man, nice to see you. And uh, I, I introduced myself. I said, you know, I'm the only brother doing games. And it's, it's damn glad to see you. Somebody that looks like me in this uniform. So, and this was, I think this was right out front of the dugout. And uh, we gave each other a hug after we chatted for a while. So the next day, he says, hey, man, my wife was wondering who you were. 
And he, he said, I told my wife, it's just two, two brothers glad to see each other because it's rare. It's so rare in baseball. And in, and in terms of broadcasting, there's a dearth of black broadcasters throughout professional sports. And, and on the, the networks, it's a joke. And we've got, uh, well, we got Gus Johnson, Greg Gumbel, uh, Mark Jones as play-by-play guys. Uh, uh, nobody doing baseball. Uh, you know, I'm the only one doing a team. So, I mean, I, I don't carry it around with anything like, like an anvil or a ball and chain. But it's just, you know, that's the circumstances. I'm making the best of it. I'm, I'm living a good life, thank God. And, uh, you know, I'm not worrying. I'm not crying on anybody's shoulder. But where I can help young young black announcers who, you know, with all these podcasts that I'm doing, I think, and then with the article in the Times, it seems like um, my brand and, and my name and face and what I have to say has really, you know, almost exponentially grown in the last week. You know, what that article was like, came out Friday night last week has really exploded. And, I, you know, I want to make the best of it. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I think that, you know, what you're doing is great because there are a lot of people who don't really, they don't know how to do it until they see someone else do it. You know, you hear people in every profession say, I didn't fully realize that I could even do that job until I saw someone who looked like me actually, no, actually question. do it. I mean, I, I didn't know, I never saw a black guy do a sports like a six and, t- you know, six and 11 newscast. I didn't see a black guy do, do sports until I think the great Bill White retired from baseball and got hired in Philly at the ABC affiliate. And I'm trying to remember the first black guy. I remember when I was doing talk radio here in New York at WNBC, the second black guy that I heard do a major league play-by-play was Paul Olden when he was doing Cleveland Indians radio, and then he went to Tampa Bay TV, and then he came here to New York. And I think, I think in the history, somebody told me this, in the history of Major League Baseball, I'm like the fourth or fifth black guy to be a lead TV announcer in Major League Baseball, which is... That now that blew my mind. Yeah, no, it's it's daunting to think about how much work there is still left to do. On top of everything that you know, it's easy to look outside and read the news right now or whatever and say, "Oh, we're making progress." But when you realize, you know, what progress actually looks like and how you sustain it over generations and generations, there's still so much work to be done. So I wanted to ask you another question about sort of your life outside of baseball. When you meet people outside of the sports world and tell them that you're a play-by-play man for a baseball team. Do you ever get the, oh, well, I didn't think you'd work in baseball or any sort of other racially coded language? That's an excellent, that is an excellent question. Nobody, uh, I don't think many people, if any, have the, have the stones to verbalize that, but the, the, the look, you get the look, the look of astonishment, right. like a WTF look, that's, you know, <laughs> that happens. But nobody has really verbalized it. And then sports people, I've been around New York for a long time, and and now and I've you know I've done a whole bunch of national broadcast football, and uh, basketball, uh, ESPN, West One, Fox, FS1. Um, I think a lot of people, if you're a sports fan, you have yeah you have at least an inkling of, of who I am and what I've done. And then you know it's not like I'm hanging in, I'm not hanging in uh, Fifth Avenue, Park Avenue crowds. Don't give me you know I'm, I'm not meeting those kind of people, but. It, it and I well when my kids were going to they were going to private school so most of the dads were sports fans so they knew who I was so but I I like the question I, I would say it's more of a WTF look yeah I mean I think that that probably is you know relatable for anyone who's been associated with baseball whether it's you know broadcasters someone like me I mean when I tell people that I you know do a baseball podcast a lot of times you do get that look like oh man I didn't think that they're essentially saying with their face I didn't know that black people cared about baseball. Dude, yeah, dude, I'm a lot older than you. I'm a lot older than you, and I and I, I tell my wife, and I'm in an interracial marriage, and we've been married 38 years in October. Got two kids, grown men, and I always laugh when I see stuff if we're watching uh, TV or, or something, and I'll say, "Damn, we use toothpaste." I didn't know that. <laughs> we used to say that all during the 50s and 60s when, uh, when, uh, when they started integrating uh, the casting of commercials and whatnot. And, you know, and obviously prior to that, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, we didn't get many lead roles in movies. So it was a big deal back in those days. And then you move it into TV uh, and you start seeing, you know, black folks using certain products. Damn, we used toilet paper to the son of a... Who'd have, wow, who would have thought? 
And I'm sure you have folks that you said you're African American, so you know what I'm talking about. And you've probably had people in your family say that as well. Yeah. And I mean, even like growing up, there was a lot of, you know, because my dad, a black man, was my coach for a lot of my little league teams. And there was definitely some some hesitancy. You, you could tell that people were just unsure of how to approach him. And it's like, you you know, you are fine with your white coaches. You're yucking it up yeah. with them. Yeah. Before you know every what? Game and, and that all was that. the thing we talked about. We, we talked, talked about in the article. We had a we had a thing with the Mariners the other day, a couple of, you know, over the last couple of days. You know, the the level of danger, I, I think people, you know, danger Will Robinson. I mean, I think, you know, you, you're a black guy walking in a room and people are dangerous. They think you're dangerous. They're suspicious of you until you prove, dude, I'm just here to do my job. Hi, how you doing? Let's let's do what we do. And then they're like, oh, he's okay. You're not all black guys around here to beat, rob, and rape you. I mean, let's get over that, all right? You know, and, and, and the other thing, I was just reading one thing today about uh, some of the teaching. Oh, I know what it was. The two cop, the cop show was canceled, and that it was another show very much like it. And what they did, they showed in, in, in oh, something live, cop live. Anyway, most of the stuff they showed, seventy percent of them was beat downs on black guys, and obviously the George Floyd killing and Philando Castile and the litany of all the other folks who've been, you know, shot while black, mostly unarmed. It's because impl- the implicit bias. You see all these white dudes, you know, massacring, massacring kids, children, and schools and movie houses and whatnot. Those jokers get taken alive. Somebody reaches for, you know, uh, the, the guy, the Castile guy, guy in Minnesota a couple, three years ago, licensed gun owner. He's just showing it to the guy. He gets shot eight times in, in, in his own car in front of his wife and kid. Really? I mean, come on. And the dude, the other, and, you know, in Minneapolis a couple of weeks ago, George Floyd loses his life. Because that cop has the ass up for whatever reason. It's, it's coming out that they knew each other. and But the dude was subdued, down on the ground, couldn't do anything. I can't breathe. And the guy didn't give a damn. You know, and as I wrote in a piece in the Sunday in the uh, Sunday Times, Fannie Lou Hamer, 1965, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Black people are exhausted and tired of this crap. And we've been talking about it and talking about it. It's about time we do something about it. And I saw a great line from a woman who, based on what she said, I think it was in Indianapolis. And she, let me just find this thing here. It was a great line, powerful words of protest. She says, talking about the country and white people in general, they're lucky black people are are looking for equality and not revenge. Yeah, I think, I mean, when you understand the history of it and you realize how much black people have done for this country, like, right? Every right to be mad and tear tear shit down. down. Like, Like, that's, we we built a lot of this stuff stuff anyway. (laughs) Boom, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So, Dave, obviously, something um, that you for sure noticed that a lot of the Mariners community noticed was last year the Mariners had, I think, at one point up to 10 black guys in the clubhouse, black players in the clubhouse. 10 now, Um, 10 on the 40, yeah. Yeah, on the 40-man roster, yeah. Um, and we've seen a lot of them use their social media platforms recently to express their feelings on the situation. Um, so I know you haven't been around them probably since last season ended, but when you did get to meet them and, you know, introduce yourself to them, what was um, what's the vibe around that group? What do you think of, I mean, the Mariners' black players, we've seen what they do on the field, but off the field, what is that group of guys like? We connected well. I mean, seven of them are, haven't even played 100 games yet. I mean, the most experienced guys we have are D... Malik's these play like nine, almost a thousand get coming. He'll be a thousand games. He'll get over a thousand games played. Malik's is playing like four hundred something, and uh, uh, CJ uh, Carl Edwards Jr. He's been a little over a hundred, and then everybody else is well below that. So you don't have a lot of veteran guys here. But again, when I was relating that story about Edwin Jackson, it's like, hey man, good to see you. How you doing? And usually it starts from there. And you know you start your relationships, you know, with these guys, and they know I'm not. I'm not trying to screw them. Hey, believe me, I'm. They're on our team. We're paid by the, you know, from the same trough, and you know I want them to succeed. I'm rooting for them. And uh, but it is great, you know. There's, you know, it's nice to be, you know, we can talk or talk. You know, we pull each off to each other off to the side, and we can fight in each other, and it's great. Yeah, and it's got to be encouraging, too, that so many of them are so young. I mean, you have a whole wave of players with your, your Justin Dunn and Kyle well, here, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
and my thought is enjoy the moment whether it be by design or chance we have 10 guys who are african-american with the ball club right now by design or chance we could have no guys who are black americans and x amount of years so enjoy this time here now given the nature of baseball enjoy the time here uh, their time here hopefully you know they'll they'll impact they'll be good players they already are good people and you know easy to root for and it, things can only get better and i you know i hope they all have i hope they all have long careers here i hope when i retire you know they, they'll be in their 10th year or something like that um I, I just I just dig the fact that it just like I said I don't think it was necessarily by design but it happened and I'm happy that it did that we have these numbers and I'm hoping as I look at the list I'm thinking I don't know about ten but I'm thinking seven or eight of them might make this club and and I hope you know however long a season we have 48 58 72 82 games you know I, I everybody's healthy. Hopefully everybody stays healthy and hope they compete like hell. Yeah, I think, too, it's easy for people to conflate, you know, having a lot of black people, having a lot of people from underrepresented groups in these positions means that the problem is fixed. You know, like just because they're there doesn't mean that there's not any more work to be done. I, now, here, here, here's a question I don't know, and I, I would like I wouldn't mind getting an answer. Like how many guys do, do we have coming up? You know, and we got these cats here. But who else is, you know, who's behind them? Yeah. Um, I mean, the only one I can think, I'm not a huge follower of the minor league system, but there was one, the one guy off the top of my head that I know is Dom Thompson Williams, who came over in the Paxton trade. Last year, right. He got hurt last year. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, I know we have, there was a kid named Jamal Wade, who I believe was in Everett, but so he's a ways away. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it doesn't, just because they're here now doesn't mean that the Mariners are, you know, going to have black players forever. And you see, like, there's influxes obviously happening all the time, but it's a, the issue is making sure that that leads to something else. Like you see Ed Howard, the young man from Chicago, he was a first round pick. People are going to say, oh, well, look at that. Chicago baseball, you know, they, they fixed it. The inner city has is flourishing. There's, you know, p- kids playing baseball, playing baseball again. again. Well, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Now that you have the 10 guys here and a black announcer, we have to, and I think we will, there's going to be a, a concerted effort to get out in all communities and and in particular the black community and we almost have to re-educate or, re- or certainly inject re-inject enthusiasm for baseball and the best way to do it as it currently stands right now with the 10 black ball players that we have on a 40-man roster and these guys are hungry to do that they want to do that they want to help in a community they want to help kids you know in, in, in their little leagues or travel ball they want to contribute their their time, their energy, their presence, and their money to help perpetuate baseball in the black community and reinvigorate it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, having the having this collective voice is going to be huge, but I hope that they can do it in a way that creates real change rather than just, you know, there's a lot of athletes, and I'm not trying to, you know, shame anyone for doing this, a lot of athletes who, you know, they make it to the big leagues, they make it to whatever, the height of their profession, and they think, well, I got to keep my mouth shut. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to mess the money up. I don't want to say anything out of line. And there's really no time for that anymore, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, no, players will be more. Give a roundtable that we're going to be doing with uh, with the guys. Uh, it's going to, <laughs> oddly enough, it's going to run on Juneteenth. And, there you go. Uh, that'll be that'll be interesting. The guys are going to talk about their experiences, and I think, you know, I'd, hopefully they'll speak in an unfettered way, not offend white teammates. But speak truth to you know, what their experience has been like in their young age, and what it's like in baseball, and I, I think uh, that has, it has a chance to be a very interesting uh, listen. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that. That does sound great. I think a lot of these players have realized that this is a moment that they can oh, they have, have more impact than ever before. before. Trust me, they have. Trust me. Right on. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, Dave, I wanted to ask you about some other things too that aren't necessarily as uh, socially relevant, but things that I've been curious about and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have been curious about as well. So uh, you've obviously now been ingrained in the Mariners media world for a while since taking over the play-by-play duties. But I think a lot of people, um, including myself, to be honest, don't actually know how you got this job in the first place. So did you have any prior connections to Seattle or the Mariners before taking the job? Uh, and if not, how did it come to your attention? I mean, we know that Dave Niehaus tragically passed and that led to the job opening. But what was the process that led to you actually moving to Seattle? See, I was the there job. before he passed. I got there at seven. He didn't die till he died November, November 10 of 10. Okay. And yeah, like anything in American life, it's, you know, relationships and connections. And it turns out that Kevin Martinez, who's now my boss, he was what the marketing director is now VP of marketing and communications. I met him when he was a student at Syracuse, like 1987, 80, yes, 87, 88. He was a friend of one of my brother's mom at Syracuse. They were doing a radio show. They were, you know, as typical as you would figure at Syracuse, they were TV radio majors. I did some liners for them. Yeah, you know, hey, this is Dave Simpson, WNBC in New York, and you're listening to Kevin and Danny, blah, 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 one of those kind of So flash forward, you know, I started doing baseball in 93, 94 for ESPN, then again, I think in 03, 04, and a couple, of, and in, in those years, I made several. I wouldn't say several. I'd say maybe four or five trips to do games for ESPN in Seattle. I'd say hello to Kevin. I'd say, hey, if anything ever breaks here, you know, let me know. So around Halloween of 06, my brother-in-law calls me. He says, hey, Kevin's, uh, Kevin called me. needs your number. Ron Fairley retired. And maybe it could be a spot for you. I said, Ron Fairley did, you know, he did color. I said, I do play-by-play. He says, well, all I know is he said to call. Um... I didn't, I, I sort of blew it off. I didn't believe it. Martinez gets my number a couple, three days later. Hey, you want this, you interested in this job or what? It's an opening. I'd like you to apply. I applied, beat out 100 guys. 14 years later, here I am. Wow. I, yeah, I mean, I think people, they just kind of assume that this happens overnight or, you know, happens and magically. Not even close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, and, and this is a dream job, and you know, I was in my fifties before I got, you know, got a, a chance to, to do do this. And I think I do it pretty well, and I think other people think I do it well. In addition to, and you know, it wasn't for a lack of trying. There's other, you know, there were other gigs that I was I, I applied for and couldn't, you know, it didn't work for whatever reason. And it's a subjective business, and I'm, I'm pleased and thrilled and happy to you know be a Seattle Mariner yeah I mean we're happy to have you I think the community has uh has not only become accustomed to hearing you but we we enjoy it you know it's that thing where broadcasters we're letting them into our home every night for three hours yeah, and I think uh, trust me you guys are... were killing me the first three years yeah, yeah. well that well, happens in any business yeah, I, mean, I know I know I'm just saying I'm just acknowledging you guys were freaking killing me those first three years <laughs> Uh, Dave, what's something that we don't know about Mike Flowers? Something that the everyday watcher or listener wouldn't glean just from hearing him call baseball. I'm sure there's a lot of layers to that onion that we're not seeing from Blow. So if you have a story or any little anecdote about Mike Flowers. A hell of a golfer. He's a great, he's a hell of a golfer, a good family man. I'd be curious to see what his diaper changing routine and abilities are like since he had a granddaughter right before the season ended. Um, He's a good guy, and you know he had a he had a hell of a run. It's a shame injuries, you know, cut his career short. But um, yeah, it's been a good partnership. What is your favorite booth on the road? I'm talking the physical booth. Which one is your favorite to call a game from? Uh, that's a good question. What do you think? Um, uh, Anaheim, 
Yankee Stadium. I'm prejudiced because it's right here in New York and it's Yankee Stadium. Because uh, there's really a good amount of room. You can, you know, I, you know, I get the laptop, the scorebook, I get, you know, the media guides. I mean, and it's like, it's almost as good, almost on par to what we have at T-Mobile Park in terms of the spatial different, uh, you know, separations that that are available. Yeah, I was going to ask, what is the priority? Is it space? Is it the food up there? Is it the the stadium itself? What are the things that go into your your rankings here? <laughs> well, ballpark food is nothing to get excited about, with very few exceptions. Um, and certainly in-game, uh, in-game food is darn sure not something you want to be uh, uh, feasting on. So, and, and that's another reason why I've been working out so much. I'm probably, I'm, a few years ago, I'm, I'm, a, I'm down significant tonnage from about 10 years ago feel a whole lot better um best booth anaheim's a good one new york uh texas i'm curious to see what texas has because they have a new ballpark and then uh let's see san francisco's not bad dodger stadium's disappointing great ballpark but you know it's built in 62 and 62 uh, uh needs for media which have significantly expanded uh san diego yeah san diego not enough room Arizona, we're not there enough. I'm thinking of places I go to all the time. Boston. Yeah, have you seen them all now? Have you been to every, every stadium? stadium? Almost. I haven't been to uh, – we still haven't been to City Field, and we were supposed to go to City Field this year. We were going to start the second half of the season at the Mets. The last We played the Mets the last two times we played them have been in Seattle. The last time we played the Mets here in New York was at Chase Stadium in 08 when Felix hit the uh, Grand Slam against uh, Santana. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those are the ones that sort of jump out at me. Uh, the A's, lovely people, bad ballpark. Tampa Bay, lovely uh, lovely uh, people, bad ballpark. Baltimore's decent. Um, who else we got? Um, Cleveland. Cleveland, it's okay. Um, White Sox, it's okay. Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing. There are not a places that – there's no Taj Mahal's out there. I mean, I, I, ours would be – Probably the closest, and as I mentioned, Anaheim. And- yeah. Well, I'm sure too. Like when you're when you're on the road, you get used to the little the minutia, and you know, you know, you probably recognize a lot of the faces, and you get like a little a home away from home, especially within the division. I would imagine. So, like the Angel Stadium, you're also in, you know, Anaheim, California. It's sunny all the time, and you know, you get to watch Mike Trout too, which I'm sure is a bit of a treat. So- no, no, that's a lot of a treat, and that's a lot of heartburning heartache too. Tired of watching him take home runs and grand slams away from, from guys. I, I've got a good relationship with him. He's one of my favorite guys. He, he, he's really a good dude. But he, he wants to talk baseball. You know, he, he's not interested in, in in selling the game, although I hope maybe as he gets older that will change because uh, we need, in terms of what we were talking about earlier, um, the coolness factor, we need to make baseball it's a it's a great such a great sport and so many life lessons learned in it and, and you know the NBA and the NFL are kicking our butt and we gotta we gotta stop that trend. Yeah. Well, we're on the subject, I guess. I know you've done a lot of sports in your career, so I'm curious uh, how a guy like Trout stacks up to other superstars that you've watched or covered. I mean, this guy we all know he's very much the real deal, but. Is he up there for you in terms of all timers that you've seen in you know the NFL, NBA, college basketball, all yeah, that stuff? Absolutely, he could be. Yeah, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, um, you know, the only thing you know, he's only been to the playoffs once, and but I tell you what, in terms of individual talent, the ability to go get a baseball, to run base, they don't ask him to steal bases anymore, but he could steal sixty bases a year easy if he wanted to, and you know, he's going to hit for average power, drive in runs, run first to third, run that now he's. He's got a chance to be really – I mean, he does have a chance to be an all-timer. Right? There's, there's no getting around that. The bad part is we see him 19 times a year. The other, even worse than that, his best numbers are in Seattle. He said – I remember when uh, – before Nelly came to us, and I remember asking him – it was probably a year or two before he came to us. I said, dude, you're freaking killing us. What the hell's going on in your numbers in Seattle? I said, I really see the ball well in Seattle. Looks like a, you know, looks like a beach ball. And he proved that when he, you know, when Nelly came and he played those what four or five years for us. Well, Trout's the same way. He said that the sight lines, it, it just fits his eye beautifully. 
And then when you go on baseball reference and look at his numbers, uh, you know, his road numbers, almost every category, the number one spot for him is, is uh, Seattle at T-Mobile Park. Yeah, that's interesting because we always hear so much about how the dimensions of the stadium and the marine layer make it hard to hit. You never think about how well the players actually see the ball. Yeah, and all I know is it seems like the last, feels like the last 10 times he's his first or second at bat, he's going deep at our place. Man, unbelievable. Yeah, and it's everywhere too. I remember being at a game where he hit two home runs and I think they were both to right, right center. center. Yeah, no, that's the thing that, that that's scary. I mean, he can... You know, he's, he can go get that outside pitch and barrel it and, and drive it out. And I don't know if it was last year or year before last, but you know, one, one, one series, I think, in a three-game series, he went deep in the first inning, the first two games, and then went deep like the third at bat in the third game or something. I mean, something just ridiculous. The guy, I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the all-timer. He has a chance to be an all-timer. Yeah. What is uh speaking of all timers, I guess, what is your uh, the favorite call of your career? Do you have one that stands out above the rest as something that you think is your your A plus moment? Probably, um uh, the Felix no no for one, but one A is or one B. Uh let's see. What year was it? Was it six let's see, Lloyd was there fourteen and fifteen, so it must have been it must have been sixteen. Yeah, it was sixteen, game one sixty one Saturday night against the yep. A's Mariners win they stay alive to uh, you know to be to, to clinch a playoff spot on Sunday and Nelly hit a bomb that tied up I think in the seventh inning screamer five iron right center field and deep and it, it tied the game up after we'd had the lead gave it back and had the lead and then and uh, gave it back again and he hit that home run and I I went nuts and I'll never forget my son my oldest son happened to be in town he was in the booth at that time and he says you he says dad your right leg i said if you'd been a drummer you'd have been keeping great time your whole body was shaking you were like half standing half sitting and all pumping your fist and it, it was just cool and i went back and found it and i was like yeah he's right <laughs> Too little pitch Gamble had a big base hit to tie it up. And, and I tell you, I t the other one that jumps to mind, and I went back, somebody reminded me about it, and I looked that up. The big comeback, was it the uh, down 12-4 or 12-3 at San Diego and come back and win 16-12? Uh, that was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, you know, hey, boys, keep on climbing the hill. Let's see what happens. And, yeah. and, and it did. Yeah, and those would have been the same season, too. There was a lot of fun moments in that 16 season where the team was close to making the playoffs. Yeah, had a lot 14 of fun guys on the roster. 16 were really, really fun. I have to, I, I was reminded that seven wasn't, not as exciting, but in seven, they were in it for the wild card race until, until late. Because I remember my friend Susan Waldman with the Yankee broadcast, he called right before Labor Day, can you freaking guys lose some games so we can get into playoffs? Because <laughs> we, were, we were right there. We were right there. And then I think we came here and lose two out of three and then lost a bunch more and, and then fell out of it. But, uh, yeah, for, um, the Felix no-no was, uh, was it August 15 of 12. Then he had the Nelly game, and then he had the game in San Diego. Those, yeah, those, those were some games, man, that I – when I, even now, I go back and if I, if I cue them up, it's like I feel that surge again. Do you do that very often? I mean, now no, I have only, only during this pandemic, dude, because, you know, especially the first couple of weeks, you know, like, damn, I can't believe, you know, even like today, I had a moment, I was eating breakfast, I said, I can't freaking believe we haven't had baseball. I mean, I should be, I got to look at the schedule, but, you know, we should be doing whatever. So I look yeah. at the schedule. Today is what? Today is the 12th, right? Yeah, we should be opening a series at the Angels right now. But those first couple of weeks, I got, like, really baseball homesick. And I looked up. I was in a conversation with somebody and said something about oh, – I was making a contrast comparison. They said, you can go back and look at the 64 World Series. And, and it was some fact. So after I had that conversation, I whipped out the, the laptop and went to YouTube and dialed up 64 World Series. And I said – I was, a, what, 11th. 
I remember that series. And Bob, Mr. Gibson, Mr. Robert Gibson was just magnificent in that World Series. And so then I started looking back at some Mariner games and you know, just talking to people on social media. How about that game, the, the comeback game at San Diego? I went back and looked at those highlights. So I, I, don't, I haven't done that. I mean, we're, we're almost 90 days into this thing. So I haven't done much of that after the first maybe 15, 20 days. Yeah, well, I was just wondering, too, if you had to sort of fill the void somehow, like if you were, you know, narrating yourself making a sandwich or whatever, like, oh, he's got the knife, now he's spreading the mayonnaise or anything like that. No way, I did, I, I didn't, we didn't do anything this week, but we were doing a podcast with uh, Boog Shambi from ESPN Announcers on, where we interview, I've been interviewed a lot of our peers, and that's been a lot of fun, I mean, we've, cripes, we've done about 13 episodes, uh, Boog's a little bit doubled up right now, he's doing KBO. So I'm working ungodly hours on the clock, you know, doing games at 2 o'clock in the morning, East Coast time. He's here in New York doing the Korean games. But, um, no, I no, I don't – hey, when it, when when the bell rings, I'll be ready. I don't I don't think I have to to worry about that. I've, I've done hundreds, maybe thousands of games, so I'm not worried, including all the sports I've done. I, I don't worry about that. Do I miss it? I have moments during the day. I miss it in other days. It's like, hey, man. I'm going to read this book, watch this newscast, watch this TV show, listen to this podcast, go out for a walk, ride, ride my bike, get on the treadmill. I keep busy. Yeah. yeah. Have you been keeping tabs on the Korean League? I mean, I know Deho's over there. He's had a couple moments. I don't know God if bless him. I, I enjoyed having him here. No, I, I really don't. Uh, it's, it's, it, it feels like a, it feels like a, a tease because I'm not going right. to selfishly, God bless those guys, but I'm never going to see those guys again. And there's no reason to be storing that kind of information in my head. And uh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're playing. It bodes well that it seems like under conditions they're getting it done. And I hope hopefully we can be as, as successful. Absolutely. Okay, then my last question for you was going to be, uh, whenever baseball gets going again, I mean, what do you think the fans can expect from the Seattle Mariners? What were your thoughts going into the season? You got to do a little bit of spring training and see the guys and see how the roster was going to shake out. What were your thoughts? Somebody asked me that earlier. I mean, I only saw like two, what was it? We, we booked them. We got back here on the 13th. And my last game was probably about the 8th or 9th. I've had a couple of days off. I... I even even if we had come out and things were normal, I don't build a lot on spring training. Uh-huh. For instance, last year there was nothing in spring t- training that told me that we we're going to get out to a thirteen and two start, <laughs> have a high percentage of home runs, have semi decent pitching, and knock the ball all over the yard. Looking at this group, it's young. It's exciting to watch Kelnick take some bats at bats. Julio. Uh, I'm concerned about pitching. I'm hoping Taiwan, he's, he's bigger and stronger. Well, he's, he's, he's a grown-ass man now. And yeah. hopefully, you know, he, he could be, he can really be a bell cow along with uh, Marco. I think I like Justin Dunn's work ethic, his spunk, his toughness, his uh, tenacity and intensity. And I hope that translate translates into early success. Uh, Justice Sheffield, a lot of want to, and if he can, you know, there were some a lot of games late last year where he had he had moments where you know his breathing was good, he paced himself, his changeup was working, he he listened to Murph, he listened to the coaches, he put it in action. That's exciting to see. Predicting what's going to happen, who the hell knows? I mean, <clears throat> here's the thing, and somebody joked about this, I think right after the pandemic, and they said. Wouldn't it be something if this was the year the Mariners win it? I said, works for me. I don't care. If it's a truncated yeah. season, as long as they win, I don't care. 80 games, whatever it is, I'd love for us to, to win. It would be a funky year like this, What the hell, why the hell not? Somebody's got to win it. you got to stay away from long losing streaks, obviously, because there's not a lot. There's not a calendar to make it up. So if you can get out of the gate, limit injuries, Hopefully the pandemic doesn't strike back where we have to shut things down again. I mean, there's a lot of ifs here, man. And uh, and the other thing, too, when you look around the league, and I think because I'm here in, in New York, I think about the Yankees. Paxton's now, well, we don't have to worry about playing them, but just as a macro view, Paxton's healthy now. Uh, Stanton's going to be healthy. Judge should be ready. They're going to be formidable, to say the least. Uh, 
and that's another reason why I'm sort of we got an, we got our hands full playing in the West, and then play and we got to play the Dodgers if you know if they maintain they talk about having the geographic basically alignment NL West mm-hmm. AL West that's going to be a pain point. The Dodgers are loaded. Yeah, I mean, I think that realistically speaking, no Mariner fan out there is expecting them to set the world on fire. But the shortened season could throw some some wackiness in there for sure. I mean, you get hot for two weeks, that could push you into the playoffs. You get up five, six games or something, and then plus what? There's going to be more teams making a playoffs, which you know that doesn't hurt. And uh, you know, let's take our chances. But the main thing is, you want everybody to get healthy. I'd, I'd like to see. Uh, less spiking of the pandemic around the country. Hello, Arizona, Texas, and many of the old Confederacy. But that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'll speak for myself, I guess. If the Mariners were to sneak into the playoffs, I would, you know, accept that with open arms. You think right, about, let me tell you something. Shortly, You're not going to put an asterisk next to it, are you? No, not at all. Well, when you think about other sports, too, or I guess even in baseball, I mean, 81, you have the strike-shortened season, and that's the last time that the uh, – one of the last times the Dodgers won the World Series, they're not going to forget about that, you know? That's, yeah. all, that's all you need to know. They won it. They were the champions. Next. Right. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page there. I think that, you know, having the season is much more important than having an argument about whether it counts. That's what I've been saying to everyone. I understand. I've heard people, you know, I've had to shut the radio off numerous times. Listen, A few times I listen to Sports Talk Radio and people get into a debate about that. What are you debating for? A freaking pandemic happened that nobody saw coming we reacted accordingly shut it down they're trying to get it back and let's say they do the right thing and we get it back we get 80 80 games or 70 games a good number you can live with that all right it's better than nothing and you can't go a season without having baseball and then come back and say oh we hey now if the pandemic shuts it down that's one thing but if they can't come to an agreement on the money nobody wants to hear that noise and then you're talking about 17, 18, 19 months without baseball. That's a bad look. Terrible optics. Horrible. Unacceptable. Totally. Not a lot of room to complain or be picky right right now. now. Hello. Right. All right, Dave. Well, we covered everything I wanted to ask you about. Um, I guess we can get you out of here um, with this. If there's anything you'd want to direct people to, whether in real life, in baseball, anything you want to plug, uh, the time is yours now to uh, to get that Um, off your chest. If you – I have a pin – I believe it's still there – pin tweet – at the Dave Sims Show on Twitter, in terms of uh, black writers, information about you know like the Southern, was it the uh, what is it the Poverty uh, Southern uh, Leadership Center, Southern Poverty Leadership Center, any organization that is for all inclusive society, check it out. You know, Black Lives Matter. Rest in peace, George Floyd. Hopefully, uh, police departments, uh, uh, the, the mindset of police departments around the country will change and people will look at, at all black people, you know, not as suspicious, threatening people, but just people. Leave it at that. Amen. I would also add RIP Brianna Taylor. Uh, anyone listening can put pressure on the city of Louisville to arrest the, the police who murdered her while she was sleeping in her bed. Uh, amen yeah amen all right dave well we appreciate you doing this uh thank you so much we're hoping to hear your voice uh, in a more regular capacity once the season starts whenever that is but if we've got to wait to make sure that you know the virus doesn't hit again yeah roger that hey man thanks matthew appreciate it say hello to everybody will do all right everyone thank you for listening my name is matthew robertson you can follow me on twitter at mrobertson22 keep your eye on lookoutlanding.com we've got some draft coverage for you if you want to know who the mariners took in the recent MLB draft. And uh, in the meantime, I guess wash your hands and wear your mask, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. I paid enough of petty dues. I put enough of shitty news. I had a thing for dirty shoes since I was 10. Love dirty men are like, ooh, at the day, then catch today. Ooh, I just take it day.